Hello, and welcome to this very special masterclass event, delving into the craft uh, of games animation. I'm Jim Jagger, Director of Animation at Rockstar Games, and your chair for this evening. Um, before we dive right in uh, and introduce our panel, uh, a bit of info about these events. BAFTA has been celebrating games as an equal to film and television for nearly 20 years. It's a charity and is committed to cementing games as rightful place as an art form in mainstream culture. Its ongoing mission is to inspire, enable, and celebrate talent from across the screen industries. And through masterclasses like these, um, we hope to foster discussion, provide insights for the, for the next generation of talent. Uh, this event has been live captioned, so if you'd like to make use of that feature, please select the closed caption option below. Also, please add any questions you may have to the Q&A button below too. Now, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. Um, wow, uh, what a lineup we have tonight. Uh, with representation across the spectrum, I'd like to introduce our first guest, Jody Azar, uh, CEO and Game Director of Teasel Cat Games. Jody, would you like to say a few words? Uh, hi everyone, uh, this is really exciting to be part of the first animation games event, I think. Um, yep, yeah, so I currently uh, the CEO and game director at Teaselcat Games, which is an independent studio, um, but my background is as a technical animator, um, which I've been in the industry for about 12 years and the majority was spent focusing on the technical side of animation. Um, before um, going into technical art and being a technical art director uh, for Creative Assembly. Great, thanks very much. Uh, next up, we have Mark Grigsby, uh, Animation Director at Infinity Ward. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me, and I'm uh, really excited to be here tonight to talk to you guys about the, the thing that I've been loving for probably most of my life. Uh, currently, I'm the Animation Director at Infinity Ward. Uh, we just finished uh, our project, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, in uh, 2019, and uh, we just released uh, uh, Warzone recently, right before the pandemic uh, started. But uh, looking forward to talking with you guys tonight. Excellent. Thanks. And um, we're also fortunate to have Rex, co-founder of Foamsword. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Managed to remember to unmute myself. Um, yeah, it's so exciting to be here. Uh, part of, as Jody said, the I think the first animation event that BAF has put on, and also you know in our little windows here, and able to all have a chat like socially distanced from each other. Um, I'm uh, my my background is in. Um, well, I, I come from a art background, as you might expect, um, but I sort of went into. Uh, short films and then through there like stumbled into games um, initially at Lionhead Studios back in the early days um, and then joined up with some friends who uh, were forming a company that became Media Molecule. Uh, we made little Big Planet 1 and 2 and a couple of Tearaway games um, and then more recently I teamed up with my friend Moo uh, and we set up a, a, a very tiny studio, um, just the two of us with a couple of friends helping as well um, so that we could uh, kickstart a game uh, and just put something out that was very small and very personal uh, to us which was a game called Nights and Bikes. Awesome, thank you. And finally, by no means least, I'd like to welcome Amadena Soria Sancho, lead animator at Naughty Dog. Hi, um, I'm also very excited to be here in the first uh, animation masterclass um, 
I'm lead animator at Naughty Dog. Uh, recently, we've uh, uh, released The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, prior to that, I've worked on titles like Uncharted 4, uh, Lost Legacy Part 1 of The Last of Us, uh, and before that, I was in England uh, working on Enslaved and other more cartoony games like GeForce or Spyro. Um, yeah, animation has always been a very part of, of me since I was a kid playing games, um, and uh, my background is more on, on a technical gameplay animation, and I'm super excited to be here. Great, thank you very much. Um, as for me, my name is Jim Jagger, director of animation at Rockstar Games. I've been involved in animation for a little over 20 years um, with titles such as Tony Hawk, Grand Theft Auto, and Red Dead Redemption. Um, it's an honor to be chairing this event tonight, um, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome everybody here. So where do we begin? Um, I guess we, we should start with um, animation as, as an art form. Um, so, so just to give a little background, the, to complement the existing artistic achievement category uh, that BAFTA established uh, a while ago, um, last year there was a new category to focus on the important role that animation plays in creating believable and engaging worlds. Um, the category covers all elements of animation from player control and ambient animation to facial animation and cinematics. No longer a subset of uh, the art department, we're here to celebrate animation as its own art form. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. It makes me very happy to be talking about animation in its own, in its own sense within video games. So, um, uh, Rex, would you like to start by expressing what animation means to you and why it's so important to, to video games? Sorry to put you on the spot there, Rex. That's all right, no, no. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's just magic. To be honest, I mean, it's amazing that we, it's, it's incredible that we get to do this. We just pull this trick on everyone, you know, with these things aren't really sort of moving. They're just, you know, they just give the impression that they are. And these, these kind of collections of like artwork or polygons, um, you know, we get to bring them to life. Uh, make people like really engage with them and uh, you know feel an emotional connection um, yeah I think it's it, it's it's probably the most I mean it's a very slow process and it's very hard but it's also very rewarding and 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 and, and just a lot of fun I think um, like it's it's what drew me into computers personally um, initially you know I I, I was I saw people creating artwork on computers and I was like, oh, well, does that really help? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, you can like fill, fill in a big area of a canvas really quickly by just clicking the mouse. But um, apart from that, I didn't really feel like it was adding something. Whereas as soon as I saw that you could, you could animate um, and just with the, with the simplest change of just like erase someone, the pupils of someone's eyes for one frame and then instantly they're blinking you know, and then they, they feel like someone, you know, that you're, that you're sort of working with. Um, and I still do that to this day. I still start with like a blink animation on a character because then they're like, they, they come to life and you're like, well, who are you? And you, you can have like a bit of a dialogue with them because they feel like they're just starting to uh, form. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that's really a dictionary definition of what animation is, but uh, that's definitely how I see it. Um, it's, it's it, you know, it's a fantastic 
medium and it's it's something that i think on a on a games team it's it, it brings together all the disciplines you know it's like you it's so important to get the feel to connect with the gameplay to connect with connect with the art to connect with um just every element it's the it's the sort of glue that that connects the player to the game and, and just breathes life into the world as well yeah. exactly yeah jody how about you yeah i think you sort of hit the nail on the head there with with your that last statement it breathes life into the world um in a fairly literal sense in in that it adds movement and motion so you can literally make the characters breathe um, and you can make the world move. Um, but in a kind of figurative sense of it, it's, it's this language that connects, connects the player with the world. So how the animation reacts to player input, um, the response to buttons, it can be a very direct input, such as uh, press a button and the character jumps, but then you get a lot more layers of context to it. So if, uh, if you're trying to jump up a wall that's too high, um, then the animation can be used to show, oh, that wall is too high in a much more subtle way than kind of literally saying words on screen or, or um, it, it yeah, it adds, it adds nuance to the world. And the same with sort of like, it's with the environment anima animation. So it's not just characters and creatures that animate, but the world can react to you. It could be you walking through grass. It could be other characters looking at you as you walk by. It can even be you not touching the controller at all. And the player that you're controlling starts sort of idling. They start looking around. They're responding to that world. And there's a sense of, of life to it um, and I think that's really exciting because it it takes games to a whole other level than rather than just being these beautiful like vistas in a static art sense it it, it is worlds that that people could enjoy and explore and you feel much more a part of it awesome awesome um, so Mark, what, what about you? Like, um, what is it about video game animation specifically that you love so much? Well, I mean, I, as, a, as a kid, like I said, I, I loved uh, Disney animation. And actually, I, I thought I was going to go in that direction uh, for my career early, early on. Um, so I would study their, their videos on VHS tapes, you know, going frame by frame. So, oh, okay, all right, well, the speed goes, okay, all right, all right, you know. Um, practicing my drawing but when I finally got into the industry um, I actually started as a, uh, a technical uh, 2D artist so I did textures and environment moved on to environment but then I, I started saying okay well I see the the life that comes from the animation department I need to be in that um, because you know I was just an animator as a kid anyway um, so for me the animation, yes, like, like Rex and, and Jody said, is like it brings life to uh, the game and to the player and, and, and immerses the player into their experience. But it also like when your, your animation is firing on all cylinders in your studio, it brings life to your studio as well. And then the energy that your animation department or, or your people, it kind of like gets infectious and then brings energy to the rest of the, the studio. And it, it, 
you can start feeling the bubble of what that tone and what that vibe of that game is. Um, so that for me, yes, all of that, all everything that Jody and, and Rex said is is absolutely true. Uh, but I also love the other side of the side effect of it that you know uh, brings that energy back for, back to me that I've given to that 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 piece of art, and then people bring it back to you, and then they they get infections and they take it to their disciplines, and then you know it just bubbles up to the rest of the uh, the project. It's awesome. Sure. And, and how about you, Amadena? I think a lot of things have been uh, taught here already, but I feel uh, what I, it passionates me, or I'm passionate about game animation is the technical and complexity aspect of it. Um, many, many times I say, just because it looks good, it doesn't mean it's going to work, um, because it might not uh, convey what design wants to convey or the story wants to tell. So I feel like we are definitely what glues together all the elements of, of what game, like the gameplay side with timing, pose and readability uh, versus storytelling as well. Like what is the character feeling at the moment? Uh, you know, what is going through uh, in the previous scene? So just making sure that everything you do in animation helps telling that part of, of the characters. And then like uh, one, I have a very passion about uh, implementation and technically, uh, you know, cause it's also played such a big role on game animation is how you implement things. Uh, and I feel it's, it's such a collaboration between a lot of departments that, you know, I, I wouldn't go back to do anything else. Um, cause I feel like it's, it's so interesting, complex and infinite you can keep researching and researching how to do something at what Jody was saying about uh, environmental. Like I really love what she said about if you press a button and nothing happens, it wouldn't feel good. Right? It's like whatever the player want to do, you want to communicate um, if it's possible, if it's not, or any, you know, any other. So I think it's, that's why I love game animation. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that touches on um, yeah the whole sense of feel within within video games and I think um, looking back um, it's sort of Disney's twelve principles of animation um, from the illusion of life you know um, these are principles that have been largely adopted um, within the animation industry for, for many years now but video games is is kind of has an extra an extra principle as well or, or, or several extra principles but but one of the most um, prominent ones is, is feel. I mean, is, is it, it has to look good. You have to have good anticipation, follow through and everything else, but it's got to feel right. When you press the button, you need a response. Um, and that, I think, is what makes um, game animation so unique, um, is, is that connection with the game. Um, yeah, so I suppose, um, yeah, Mark, um, in terms of, like looking at Call of Duty, I know the, the weapons, they, they, they felt so kind of visceral, so kind of um, impactful. Um, can you talk a little bit about that in, in terms of this, this sense of feel um, that we're discussing? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a funny story. When I, when I came back to uh, uh, Infinity Ward in 2017, I, I was given the, the responsibility of the, uh, the animation team, but also the, uh, the weapons. So when I thought about it, I was like, all right, what can we do differently to 
make the the weapons feel different this time around. Uh, and speaking with my uh, studio head, he's he's really into guns as well. Um, but we talked about it, and it's like you know we want the field to give the the impact, like you said, uh, to the player, where you're not holding that weapon, but it has to come across as if you're actually shooting that same caliber, or or the uh, velocity of the weapon is actually going down range and hitting uh, the target. Um, so the thing that I wanted the players to feel was, uh, and I don't want to curse here, but I wanted them to say, oh, sh you know, when they picked up the gun and started shooting. Um, so I, I had a, a story about um, uh, one of the E3s that I went to where I saw God of War for the first time. Uh, so I was walking through the, the studio and, or, or the, 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 uh, the show, and there was a guy by himself sitting there playing the game. And I just kept hearing somebody say, oh, sh oh, sh oh. Sh and he, he was like, I stopped and I looked at him and he was like looking around like, do you guys not see this? Do you, you not see this? This is, this is awesome. Um, and I was like, I need to have players play the game that I make say that while I'm, while I'm uh, you know, while they're playing the things that I, I created. So I went around to everyone in the, uh, the, the realm of making weapons feel the way they felt. So the animators, the designers, uh, programmers, and I was like, you know, when we when we start this, we need to make the players uh, say this and, and feel this. So one of the main things that we went to was uh, one, everyone had to go and start shooting weapons uh, just so they can get the feel and the impact of, uh, you know, what these weapons do and the, learn the mechanics. So you can add that extra flair of, uh, you know, you don't want it to be super mechanical when you're, you know, putting in the mag, taking it out, racking it and then going back. Uh, you need to have the weight of the gun uh, to come across, like there's different calibers of, 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 of ammunition, uh, sizes of weapons and, and things like that. So um, we went through a, a, a valley of those and, and shot plenty of weapons, came back with a video reference. Uh, we talked with the VFX artists where the, the power of the, the concussion of gas being expelled from the, uh, the muzzle needed to come across in our VFX. Our, effect on target after you shot the weapon and it, and it hit the, uh, the impact of whatever you're aiming at needed to have the effects of instantaneous, like a lot of times you would see like soft impacts or soft smoke coming out. So we wanted everything to be instant uh, and then, you know, have a bit res residual at the end, but instant so you could feel the, the force of it. Um, and then, you know, just finding those little nits and, and, and crannies of, uh, of, flare that I, I not too much you didn't want to be too you know hollywood but definitely grounded with like what a real tier one operator how they would operate a a, a mechanical uh you know devastating piece of machinery like that um so that that was that was a lot of of, of what we went through to get it to where it was uh along with just talented people and very passionate with uh you know what they wanted to accomplish so yeah moving on to sort of uh, Naughty Dog with the Master Race. I mean, I, I take it, um, it when Mark talks about the, the research they did with the weapons, I, you know, I presume you had similar kind of lengths you went to with the, with the, with the horses. And I don't know if you encountered real life zombies, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, exactly. We did exactly the same thing. We wanted the guns to feel uh, good and like real so we actually went to a shooting range as well we took a lot of video reference and uh, Troy our uh, player animator was just like every single detail of how the gun is held 
in their hands, um, how, you know, when you uh, unholster it. So we actually put a lot of effort as well on like overlapping actions, just so it doesn't feel mechanical of like, you put one away and now you have to take the other one. It's very, very complex and with layering and all technical animation, we were able to holster one while unholstering another one. And you can imagine the complexity depending on what weapons you have equipped, you know, and, and how the gameplay uh, aspect of it feeling responsive, it's also very important. Um, so we definitely did that uh, with horses. We had motion capture horses, but then like that data, it was so much work to make it feel like uh, we wanted to do uh, Western horses. So just adjusting all the neck positions, like the stands to make it feel organic, um, the riding styles with the uh, more upright with the um, saddle. So it was a massive uh, amount of work, but also looking at references just to make it feel like you were grounded in the parts of the US that this, uh, this was um, uh, shoot. Yeah, I've got to say it, it was very similar with the uh, Red Dead Redemption series or with, with the horses. Um, you know, we, we took the horse riding, horse riding lessons and uh, you know we, we did a little motion capture with with horses um, but a lot of the data was was ultimately um was was hand key because we couldn't get the horses to do exactly what we wanted and get that left foot start and then that turn 180 and everything else so um yeah huge amount of work but um yeah but it, a lot of fun a lot of fun to see things like that come to life um just going back to the sort of principles that we mentioned before, um, Rex, like you've got experience um, like before you come to games, um, but are there any other principles that you think um, we should be mindful of within video games or, you know, obviously feel is a, is a big one, um, but looking back at the sort of the, the classic Disney principles, what, what kind of are your observations? Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, in, interaction is the is the number one um, thing, like a, additional principle, really. That's just overarching everything. Um, I think I think it's important to always remember that you're not you're not doing it alone. You know, it's not um, it's very it's very rare that you're going to be animating and you're the only person on a project. Um, and I guess maybe for the uh, if you're producing animation for, um, you know, a show or a, um, a movie or something, you're, it's, it's more of like an enormous team of animators like, uh, working towards something, but they're not like having lots of maybe interaction with, um, with completely different disciplines. And I think that's the really fascinating thing about games anyway. Like, what an unusual bunch of people you have to bring together to make a video game. You know, everyone is like so different. They have so many different life experiences and ways to like look at the world and, and the things that, uh, you know, that particularly drives them. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's really important that you, you always think of it as the collaboration and, and it's important to get good at, um, sort of selling your ideas and making sure that if you if you really want that animation in the game that you that you really work with the people that are going to help you achieve that because it's very rare that you just make 
make cool animation, put animation in game, done. You know, it's like you need to figure out like at what point can the player like interrupt that animation or how does it blend with something else and all of that kind of thing. So um, yeah, really important to, to just be able to, to collaborate and work together. Um, and I think, um, I think probably something that's very important, particularly on maybe a smaller indie team um, is also sort of thinking about like the appropriateness of the style that you're trying to achieve with the team that you have um, so that you can keep a, like a constant quality bar. Um, I think you, you can have incredibly basic animation, but you don't want you want it to be of a of a, a similar quality level i think throughout um you know it's if you put all of your effort into like that one cool npc character then you have to do it to all of them um so i th i think it's just important to like kind of just uh be just just sometimes be like quite experimental or cut things out that are that are going to make you know, make your life just so much harder so that you can get that quality bar um, right. Um, like weirdly, um, one of my favorite games for animation, even though it sort of doesn't really have animation, is David O'Reilly's Everything, um, which was a game he created where you could play as everything, like everything. And, um, and I really like that he had a system for moving the characters um, where he, did, he didn't want to like lose sight of that vision, you know, and go, oh, you can play everything and then think, oh, I've got to rig all these characters up and they all, uh, they can't share the same skeletons and what have you. Actually, it's a game called Everything where you play seven characters. Um, you know, he stayed true to the goal by sort of creating this procedural system where the animals just kind of tumble um, and it's it's just done throughout the entire game and it's it's of the same style throughout uh and it's got quite a lot of personality to to it and i think that that was just a really smart decision because like if he'd if he tried to do like you know traditional animation on all of those infinite characters then the game would have never shipped and no one would have been able to play it and you know i think it was just a smart move that when you're a tiny team sometimes that it's it's looking for that that thing that still makes the game um, like special and have its own unique animation style that really is like appropriate to the end result and to the team size. It's really interesting. I mean, I think that actually leads me on to another question about um, how styles uh, could be impacted by tech, which you touch on there. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at some of the um, sort of mass um, uh, big de development team AAA projects um, and you look at some of the tech that's used there and then you look at some of the amazing kind of indie projects that you just mentioned um, which can be achieved by a really small theme. Um, Jody, I'd just like to sort of ask you as a sort of from a tech perspective, um, you know, how, how you think um, styles, are, styles can be affected by, by the tech that we have. Yeah, um, it, it is hugely important to not just decide on the style of your animation, 
but making sure that you're marrying the style of the animation with what you've chosen for your art style and also the game design because you can really break the player out of the game experience by having sort of inconsistent animation or something happen within the animation system that feels wrong. Um, for example, if, if you've got a really realistic uh, game graphically um, and you've got an animation system with pathfinding um, and your NPCs are sort of uh, are wandering around the world, if they're doing something weird like walking into walls, you're instantly sort of thrown out of like, oh, this, this is a game, it's, it's, it's a computer experience. I'm no longer um, immersed in this game world now. Um, so that's really important to consider not just the animations individually that you're creating, so like attack animations, walking, running, idles, um, but how that system sort of works in the background, what the, the programming team are going to have to implement in order to get it all working as a, as a coherent experience. Um, and I think the, the more realistic you go with sort of your art style um, and what you do with the animation, the more level of complexity you get and you have to look at technical solutions to solve a lot of problems so that the animation team aren't spending hours and hours just tweaking sort of cloth to look and move like the player feels it should. Um, and I find that really interesting. That's been sort of a big part of, of my, my work in the games industry is deciding like what are the big problems that are actually going to have real impact for the player um, and, and how for that impact, like how it's going to feel. And I think we, we come back to that idea of the feel of the animation and that can often be the deciding factor of it might not, it, it might be something very subtle that you choose to invest in, but it can, it can often be the subtlety of animation. Those, those little face blinks, those little sort of like twitches of the head um, that actually make the world believable. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that leads on, I mean, like to really the, the complexity of the of, of interactive animation. Um, you know, I mean, video games are so complicated. Um, in terms of, you know, as, as we know, when, we, when we're making games and we're exporting animations and we're playing them back in, in the game, um, it's rarely, if ever, a single animation that's playing back. It's always a compound result of blends and additives and IK and you know, procedural solutions all, all, all kicking in. Um, um, I, I guess, um, Mark or Amidena, um, would you like to sort of talk a little bit about how you layer animations together in, in, in your games? I'll, I'll open up either of you. Uh, good, good. I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you touched it there where it's like um, games are so complex and I feel like before, you know, starting to really make the game, you have to scope it out and see, okay, how many resources do I have and make the right choices so you don't get caught up on a, 
an amount of assets that you won't ever finish and then your system in built is built on too many assets and then it's just not going to look good uh, because you couldn't commit to what you did so i think starting a small and building up with little blocks that you can uh, modular built in is very important so that's kind of what we do and another thing i feel like it's uh building uh you know movesets that could be used with multiple characters with uh, layers and that's uh you know where you can layer uh, modifiers so you have a, a very uh, solid block of if it's realistic animation then you can modify it uh, so you don't have to build over and over again so i think making right choices uh, and technical decisions will help later on to 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 do that and talking about how we do animations in game we we're such a grounded uh, game that uh, we need to rely on a lot of motion capture and then uh, motion matching, which is um, it's not a black box that chooses animations. It requires a lot of work to author them correctly, like to be able to choose the right poses at the right times with the right weight and then the right uh, foot plant. So we use that, but then we also have a, a, a layer system uh, as we were talking about because we we try to make the characters are as organic as possible. So we have, you know, a layer for the face. So the face is doing something different than the body, obviously connected, because uh, you wouldn't want to be disconnected. Um, we have layers for the hands. Then we have layers above for weapons, layers for uh, contextual animation or environment uh, uh, interaction, like if I'm touching a wall or I were to, you know, brush my hair. If I were tired, I would just sweat my, um, I sweat. So we build our characters on that sense, whether it's uh, very simple characters or the player. Obviously, the player is way more complex than uh, a, a crowd character would be. And that's also the choices you want to make. It's like, what do you see the most? What is the biggest thing on the screen? Let's spend your our, our resources there um, and make sure we can populate and like scale. I think scalability in, in the games is, is pretty important. Everything that uh, is Amadino, correct? Okay. <laughs> um, everything she said is it, like it, it's such a complex, uh, uh, you know, process that we have to go through for every single piece of our animation. Um, so, like even for our weapons, um, you know, like we said, we we figure out what what it is we want to do with that weapon, um, whether it comes from design or the animators, um, and then we just break it down to the most simple pieces. So we, we do a lot of like raw, um, full on, like this is the pass of what the weapon is. And then we break it down, say, all right, uh, if we are walking, then there needs to be a walk animation on top of it. But then there might also need to be some uh, procedural sway in it. So when it's, it's not just this stick uh, sticking out of the camera when you turn. Um, so there's drag and delay um, additives that are added either in animation or procedural uh, 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 places. Um, and then, you know, there's a set of different um, uh, transitions for locomotion where uh, the walk to the run to the to the sprint, they we use as much as we can additive uh, uh, adjustments to, you know, share just like Amudina uh, just, uh, just mentioned that so we're not constantly making thousands and thousands of different animations to do the same uh, function. Um, 
And the same thing goes for our, our uh, third person uh, multiplayer character animations where we're blending, you know, sometimes at, at, you know, 40 to 50 animations at a time uh, just to get the feel that we wanted from the mocap stage. And then we, you know, bring it in and then break it down and all right, the body does this and then the head does this and the IK does that. Um, so it's, it's a process and I, I'm, I'm hoping that one day we can get closer to where we capture it, we animate it, and then, you know, 75% of the time is just the creative. And then, you know, maybe 10% is the, the technical. Um, so we can actually get it in there and then, you know, work around. But right now I feel it's more like a 50-50, you know, sometimes 60-40 split where uh, the creative kind of, you know, it, it takes a back seat to how complex this, this stuff is. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, as, as you say, uh, video game animation is incredibly technical and, um, you know, uh, all, you know, the motion capture plays a big part, um, but rapid iteration is, I think, what, 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 what makes things possible is you know, not being too precious about something, getting it in game early, feeling it, is it fun? No, try something else, you know, try, you know, you maybe capture five different versions of the same move at different paces and different speeds, you'll hack it together, You'll keyframe a few poses and you'll layer it in with your sophisticated system just to see, right, is this right? Does it feel good? And then maybe you've got, you've figured it out. It's, it needs to be 10 frames long instead of what you thought was 60 frames to begin with. Um, it, but you've got to just cut the corners to make it um, make it feel good. I guess it just keeps coming back to feel, I suppose. But um, yeah. Um, okay. And I mean, I think. Yeah, I think I started this question about, um, I think I mentioned about uh, the, the sophistication of realistic looking games. And, um, you know, I, I, I think going back to that, um, you know, if, if characters don't blend naturally, then um, it just breaks the illusion. And, and all we're doing here is, is going back to Disney, the illusion of life. We're, we're trying to, we're trying to, replicate life in, in a video game and make something, whatever style it is, make something that is fun and that is believable in that world. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, whether it's, whether it's nights and bites with the wonderful characters um, or whether it's gritty Call of Duty or, you know, apocalyptic last of us, you know, I mean, these are all fantastic characters with their own unique style. Um, so, actually, in terms of style, um, where does where does everybody look for style? Look for inspiration when when you're when you're working on games. Obviously, it, it depends on the game you're making. But do you look to um, kind of real life? Do you look to other games? Do you look to um, other animation formats? I mean, Rex, maybe I'll, I'll start with you in terms of styles because you know your games are particularly unique and stylish. Um, oh, thank you, Jim. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I definitely just, I wouldn't be able to make anything realistic if I tried, you know, I, I would not be a good gun designer. Um, but, uh, I, I like to look outside of games, um, mostly for inspiration. Um, like, I, I really enjoy looking at student films. Um, 
I think you can, it's, it's quite easy to find a lot on um, services like Vimeo. Um, they, a lot of, you know, creators, um, particularly sort of like master's students will upload their final films on there. I find those really interesting to watch, um, you know, beautiful little sort of three minute animated films with like great stories, like really interesting styles. Um, like, and just like, they're not necessarily a style I'm trying to do, but they, they just pull the rug from under you slightly. You know, you're like, how did they do that? Um, and then you're wondering, oh, could, could we do that? Could, you know, could you do that in Unity? Um, like, um, it's, it, it just makes things more interesting, um, I find. Um, I mean, obviously, at the same time, you know, I'm still looking at um, my bridges, horses, and, and what have you, you know, to like all of the reference stuff, constantly looking on YouTube, but like, how does a puffin eat and things like this. Um, but for like style inspiration, I, I really like going for like quite unusual um, short films um, and just seeing what, what new techniques people are using. Um, sometimes they're like quite technical as well um, using like procedural stuff um, that's really interesting to see as well cool. so, I mean yeah speaking of how puffing the YouTube is absolutely incredible I don't know where we would have been without YouTube in terms of reference um, I, I noticed uh, recently on, on a tweet um, from Naughty Dog uh, about how you animated the deer um, I think with a dog is that right that is correct um, I feel like you have to get creative, like looking at reference, but also make your own, I guess, creativity. So we just tried this, like, let's see, I mean, visualizing it, it would do that, but then it just worked wonderfully. So, you know, inspiration comes, I think, from everywhere, like student films, uh, real life is also one of the things I really like to look at because we're trying to make a lot of grounded characters and then for our NPCs explore behavior, it's like, okay, let's just stop and watch people. Let's just watch people enter in a new space and see what they do. Or when doing crowds, it's like, let, it's so hard to make crowds look really real because of the restrictions, but looking at what people do and just getting the smaller elements, uh, I feel like uh, real life is a great one. And also obviously uh, movies, um, you know, to develop the characters as, um, as movies that are related to what we do, like post-apocalypse or survival or uh, developing the relationships. I think, I think references are everywhere. How about you, Jodie? Where would you look for, for um, inspiration? Yeah, um, I think it, 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 it depends sort of what you're working on, because when you're working on a project in a, in a bigger studio, then a lot of the time sort of the, the genre of the game might inform of what overall style um, of animation you go for. And I think sort of the principles of animation still mean that you kind of have to push the animation like 10% beyond like what you'd normally move in order for uh, characters, creatures, the world to be readable. Especially if you've got an animation uh, playing in the distance that you kind of still want to be able to kind of read who that character is from the motion when you might not sort of get all the detail of the art. Um, but that's changed a lot now that I'm working on my own independent projects because we get to decide right from the beginning what, what's important 
in within the project um, and where we've got our inspiration from. So um, prior to sort of joining the games industry, um, I've always had a love of storytelling. So I studied uh, animation because I loved Pixar animation. Um, I also uh, worked a little bit sort of in, in small press comics um, uh, and love graphic novels. Um, but for the project I'm working on now, um, most of our inspirations are film rather than specifically games. So uh, I love like the animation style and the kind of coziness that you get from Studio Ghibli films. Um, and I, we also like the, the color palette um, and the weirdness of Wes Anderson films um, and the quirkiness of Jim Henson movies. Um, and that's really interesting because obviously he's famous for using puppets, which are almost kind of a cross between sort of live action and animation. Um, and I think uh, his, his work, especially stuff like Labyrinth, is very quirky British humour. And that comes through in the animation and the action. I think all those three big inspirations, the animation is very much informed by the kind of storytelling. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's because we're working on a story-led game, it's very important that kind of we're able to tell the story a lot through the animation and through environmental storytelling, rather than having lots of dialogue, um, the animation is part of that story and how the player interacts and learns new information. It's interesting you talk about puppets because I, I often think that as animators, like we're all shy, introverted actors who are actually puppeteers and we're, we're just acting through the medium of, of our on-screen puppet. Um, and uh, yeah, um, but yeah, we're all kind of um, yeah, uh, being uh, uh, John Malkovich. That that kind of thing. <laughs> um, cool. Um, how about um, in terms of the? Do you have ever have any kind of arguments at work in terms of the, the pacing of, of animations? Because you know, as 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 animators. You know, we might be uh, guilty of wanting our animations to look as, as great as they can in all the beauty, but from a gameplay perspective, and I think we all appreciate this, but it must be responsive, depending on the game that you're making, but um, it, it, it should be um, responsive. Um, yeah, it, when a designer says, this, this hit animation needs to occur on frame five, and it's got to end by frame 25, um, and it's got to hit a range from 20 centimeters off the ground to two meters in the air. And it's got to be some sort of swipe. Um, go, be creative. Um, it's like, I can't possibly swing a sword in five frames and end back in my idle position. But maybe you can. <laughs> um, does anyone want to talk about any um, kind of experiences you've had um, kind of fighting the corner for, 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 for one way or another? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've talked about this before, but uh, even in uh, the weapons uh, for our reloads, you know, uh, when you're fighting another player, uh, the timing between you 
uh, stopping your, your actual attack on him to reload because you run out of ammunition uh, is a very important and, and touchy subject from animation, uh, design, and even uh, the players. Uh, I think the players would be fine with uh, an, a reload not being there, but I, I definitely think that there's a, a, an advantage and disadvantage uh, that it's, it balances the game uh, based off of each weapon that you use. Um, so that there's always that discussion of like, this is too slow, this is too slow, we need it faster, we need it faster. Um, and, you know, I, I like to fight that, that fight a lot and, and say, well, you know, it, I understand, but I, I want it my way, uh, but I understand, so I'll, I'll you know, compromise a bit. Uh, but there's, there's, that, there's definitely that, that tension uh, that's constantly, you know, in the room or <laughs> during development. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that's, that's, that's something that uh, is going to be a, a, an everlasting conversation that will be between uh, artist and, uh, you know, designer. And even within the same department, I think, even between kind of oh, yeah. narrative animation and uh, sort of gameplay animation, when you're in a cinematic sequence and everything's kind of, well, depending on the type of game, but things are a sort of a slower pace and then you come out of the game and then you can run super quick, dive in cover, hit people, you know, like, it's finding that balance between um, just the consistency of character uh, and, the, and the, the performance level from this kind of more realistic thing to then something that's super responsive again. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure you, you faced that a lot in in The Last of Us too. Um, I don't know if, I, I mean, you did very, very successfully, um, but I, I don't know if you want to talk about some of the, some of the um, issues you faced there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I like to see it as a, we've had this a lot where a designer would come in and say, I want it faster. And what I like to think is, do they really want it faster? or do they want it more responsive? Because it's, it's often not the same thing. It's, uh, I think it's very, very important to have a communication that what is a high level that they wanna achieve? Um, because faster could be go into it uh, with less frames, uh, which doesn't affect the quality as much. It could also uh, say, let's do overlapping actions. So you can you know, be doing one and then uh, starting another one before the other one is, is, is uh, finished. You can also do a board frame. So if you don't touch the stick, the animation plays beautifully, which is what we want. Uh, but if you do want a, a board to something else, we can also do that. So uh, very, very often uh, the language gets uh, lost between departments. And I feel that's where uh, the importance of technical animators comes in because they understand the animation systems. And they could also give alternatives or they could talk about it in a, in a technical way where, okay, we could do this and still preserve the, the feel of animation, which is what we have at Naughty Dog. Uh, we have a pretty large team and uh, a lot of specialists on uh, technical animations, animator uh, that work with design to achieve these objectives. But for sure, there's always the occasion that we need it faster. And sometimes you just have to come with a way to make it faster, which might not necessarily be a speed up something, but just make it travel longer. Uh, you know, it's like, what is the best way of achieving what design wants uh, without affecting our, our animation quality comes to communication. In the terms of like coming up from a cinematic, uh, we have a lot of tricks we use where, you know, we, we enter an interior and we slow the player down a little bit, which is very, very unnoticeable. 
but you can like start getting the immersion into you know what the mood is it's more storytelling we're going to a storytelling mode we start drifting the camera to where it's going to be so the player doesn't doesn't notice these things because we don't want to broadcast that but start getting into a mood and when we finish uh, the cinematics interactive cinematics we want to make sure that the actions carries on so we do a lot of times where you gain control but the action is still playing on a top layer of the character so if i were putting my backpack on i could still walk but putting my backpack on and continue that action so overlapping um, the actions and carry up that previous cinematic and also i think smoothing uh, the ins and outs also keeps the player immersed uh, instead of having to cut and cut. Uh, so we put a lot of work. Uh, definitely it's, it's challenging, but I feel uh, we're getting there. Rex, I want to ask, do you ever wrestle with yourself in terms of, um, I must make this faster. No, I've got to make the animation more, you know, <laughs> I, I suppose it's a very unique um, perspective when you're when you're making much more of the content yourself in terms of the creative direction that you have there. Uh, yeah, yeah, it means you can make a lot of mistakes, and you know, you, yeah, I mean, you do definitely wrestle with yourself a lot. Um, it's kind of interesting, like just sort of swapping back and forth between creating the character and then doing the animations, and then realizing that there's a problem with the character and then taking it back again and um but it does mean that you can work very quickly um and i think something that really i i really enjoy is just trying to make sure that the art style and the animation style is very holistic because you know you are kind of doing that both sides at the same time um and like um well on the on my previous game Tearaway it was really important to we we wanted to make a game that was looked like it was made out of paper and that was that was a really fun goal to try and go for because you know it just it just changed how we did everything um and it was really fascinating to like go how 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 does how does a world look like when it's made of paper and it comes to life and it turned out that actually we didn't want it to be too um, if you've met like this, like a squirrel, like this guy, um, you didn't want him to be like, like super squirrely, uh, but at the same time, you didn't want him to be super papery. And, um, and it ended up being like a sort of stop motion style that we went for so that it, it looked like the, the, the animation was almost fighting with the fact that the material is, you know, is inactive. Uh, and it's it's just not moving as fluidly as you might expect in a normal game. And then with Nights and Bikes, it was more about line boil and uh, trying to convey that sort of energy and imagination of kids by like just redrawing everything uh, three times so that it's just wobbling the whole time. Um, and it's a super old reference now, but a big in influence on on the game was um, Bob Godfrey who created Rhubarb and Custard, which was an amazing show. Uh, when I, and when I saw it as a kid, I was just like, this is so wild. You know, I felt like I'd drunk a whole bottle of Kiora. I was so excited. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, you know, fun, like trying to allow the art to inspire the animation and, and vice versa, um, you know, to, to, to find some kind of core that, um, 
enables players to like feel these characters ultimately and and you know be drawn into these worlds that you're quite trying to create cool. Cool. Um, I said at the beginning that we would um, take questions through the Q&A, um, but I forgot to mention that we'll answer them at the end, um, which is kind of drawn upon us. So um, I'll jump to some of the questions now. Um, sorry if people have been waiting for that, but um, I have a question here from um, Alev Sagi. Um, and uh, the question is to everyone, what do you think is the biggest difference between working in animation for games and working for film or TV series? Um, you know, I think we've answered that somewhat in the sense of the interactivity. Um, you know, obviously we make uh, animations that are seen from every possible angle as well, which is also very different. Um, we can cheat a little when we're just doing working in a 2D space, but when when you're working from all angles and then you can see it in and out of context, layered on top of other things, um, you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's very different. Um, I don't know if anyone else has got anything to add to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I think actually games gives a lot more power to the animators um, because when you're when you're working um, on sort of uh, on on film, um, TV animation, um, media where it has a predefined camera, then you usually have a director who knows what all the shots want to look like. Um, and you're working from storyboards. You've got all this preparatory information that says exactly how those shots should look. Um, and if it's, if it's not quite right when you film something, if it's not quite right when you draw it the first time, you can kind of go in and you can, you can edit it and it's all pre-rendered. Um, but with games, uh, so much is about context. Where are the animations going to play? Do you as an animator even know sort of every scenario in the game that sort of that animation will play? So if you're interacting with doors, you don't have time to sort of test every single door. Um, you have to uh, standardize things. You have to think about things technically, but you also have a lot more kind of control over like how, how do you want the animation of a door opening to look rather than sort of a director going, it's going to be shot from the left at this distance and these things are going to be in view. Um, so there's a lot more to consider, but it does give a lot more control to animators of, um, yeah, being able to decide um, what layer of complexity, um, sort of how things do animate. Um, and it becomes a lot more of a collaborative experience with other departments. Um, and I think sort of like going back to the, the point earlier about sort of butting heads with different departments, I think it's also really exciting to kind of be there in the early stages rather than sort of like uh, a director coming up with a script and shot for shot knowing exactly what's gonna happen. You get to work with people who've got other expertise to solve these challenges. And that's really exciting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think the level of creativity is 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 huge in, in games, which actually leads me quite nicely into the next question from Emily Dobson, who asks, um, how are new technologies like performance capture changing animators' roles in industry? Is there less room for creativity if animators are just tidying up motion capture? So 
Um, I have an opinion on this, but I don't know if anyone else wants to jump in. Um, I, I, I can speak from uh, just my personal experience with uh, performance capture and motion capture. I, uh, I was definitely hesitant, like uh, who were the person that wrote this question, um, when I started working with motion capture. I was like, oh, you know, this is gonna, they're gonna take, take my, they're gonna take my job. Um, but it, it, uh, I've learned over the years that even though I, 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 I studied as much as I could and I, I practiced as much as I could to mimic motion capture with my uh, keyframe animation, that uh, motion capture is a tool that saves time. Um, uh, if we were to sit and, and keyframe every single move, thousands of uh, pieces of uh, animation that go into these uh, characters and games, um, the game would never come out. Uh, and we would lose quality uh, and things like that. So the way I look at motion capture um, is that it's a, it's a tool to get us maybe 80, maybe even 90% of the way there and then you chop it up and then you can also apply, like we were saying earlier, layers that uh, can, you can use that one performance for multiple different characters and you can get different feels uh, based off of the, the, the manipulation that you use your animation talent to uh, make the motion capture work for you uh, when you have to. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of work that still goes into uh, sorry, dog barking at the mailman. Um, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that still goes into using your talents as an animator, uh, even when using uh, motion capture. I would also like to add that um, yes, it, it has changed a little bit in sense that when you're doing uh, capture for scenes or like for performance capture, now the animators are becoming directors of uh, the the actors where. Uh, if it's an action scene, you have to like come up with the choreography or like safer ways of like capturing those movements, which is actually animation itself because you have to think if uh, the camera is locked, you still have to think where the camera is going to be, where is it going to transition in and out and come up with like the safer ways of, of making them do these crazy stunts. Uh, and then going in, into the animation software and assembling these scenes so they're like really good timing and pacing. So it's still animators are still, you know, animated and it's just in a, in a different way. Gameplay is another different thing where I agree with Mark. It's like, it's a time saver with the amount of assets we have to do. And you could just get something rough very quickly and then start chopping it to get it more stylized, uh, uh, pushing the poses, pushing the timing. So I feel I all, all also looked at it as a very, very powerful tool. Yeah, I think like from 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 my perspective as well, we um, we encourage animators to direct actors. You know, we we want if someone's working on a particular system or, or mechanic, then we want them to own it from the beginning to the end. We don't want someone else to shoot the data and then give them the data. Or oh, here's here's your climbing data. Make it into the the system. It's like no, think about how the system's going to break down. Think about what animations you need. Like maybe prototype something and then go capture something, bring it back follow it through all the way. You've got, you've got the creativity, you've got the ownership of that, that area. And then you've got the kind of investment and, and you know, you, you really, you know, you, you are invested in making that thing your thing and, and as good as it can possibly be. I think it's really important, particularly on, on big games, that we keep that ownership 
with individuals and that we don't abstract them too much and people become the animator of the bags in the cutscenes or something you know like we, we we need to own big chunks of the game um, and when the games get so big there's a bigger chunk for you to own um, it's, uh, yeah cool right um another question here um oh it's just moved um from johan uh could you name an example what has been the most difficult animation to do who wants to take that one hardest animation you've ever had to do and certainly think of some fun ones that we've had to do um, yeah i don't know about difficult i think um i mean more on on the rigging side um i worked on a on a game called never dead um that was uh, it was a very japanese game uh, so it had a lot of crazy uh, japanese uh, monsters that were kind of amalgamations of kind of real world creatures um, and one of them was sort of like what a big sort of stereotypical Japanese RPG uh, huge creature with elephant arms um, and ten times as big as a, as a player um, and that kind of had a lot of technical challenges um, but was very interesting from a rigging perspective so it kind of swing these big elephant trunks around and needed to interact uh, with the ground. Um, and you, you have to decide as an animator, like these things that kind of look like an elephant head and trunk, does it want to have animation properties of an elephant or does it want to act more like an arm? And like how many joints does it want to have fluid motion? Um, I think it actually had snake heads on the end as well. So you're kind of having to play with all these different ideas. Um, and it is really exciting when you have things that aren't replicated in the real world, but players still have a sense of what are the rules of that world. And you kind of can't make something too, too crazy or unpredictable, because especially if it's a boss creature, they still kind of have to predict, like, how's it gonna move? How are they gonna play and interact? Um, yeah. Thank you. Right. Um, and I think we'll make this next question the, the last one because we're sort of heading out of time. But um, it's a good one to finish on, I think, from Philippe Borgonovi. I hope I've got that right. Um, as the new console generation rival gets closer and closer, what is, uh, what do you expect, the, uh, what is that you expect the most from the animation point of view? As you'll have more power to handle, more frames per second, etc. So, I guess the question is um, really, how will the next generation of consoles affect animation? Um, and maybe we can ask everyone this in turn, um, starting with whoever wants to go first. I'll mention just a quick one. I think a more procedural, like a, a better procedural systems for IK, uh, world IK spines, like, I. I don't see how the assets would be very different. Maybe more memory. We always need more memory, uh, but more procedural, more advanced procedural systems, I would say. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I think the challenge with consoles uh, increasing with sort of power and what they can do is we on the development side need to make sure that our tools are keeping up to date with that 
because kind of just looking at sort of like, oh, we've got more memory to store stuff. We've got more processing power to do more stuff. It then impacts like how long it takes to make animations. Um, so like there's, there's loads of cool things that you can do on the shader now to do with animation. Like you can have loads of vertex animation. Um, we've got really complex particle systems now, but that adds a layer of complexity to how we author animations. Um, and it can make it very difficult for animators to use all these systems, um, but not having to kind of redo work um, as sort of like, uh, maybe, maybe you need to update the player character model sort of later on in game because design uh, wants some changes or art wants some changes. And then that impacts the animators because they've got to go and re-edit, polish, uh, any changes that have been made on the art or design side. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to see sort of, um, yeah, again, on the procedural side, what, uh, what we can kind of get the engine to do. Um, but I think it will lead to more work for technical animators to create tools and pipelines that actually mean that animators spend more time being creative and less time sort of battling these new systems that allow them to do cool stuff, but also add more work. Yeah, I think that's got to be the goal, hasn't it? To, 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 to empower animators to be as creative as possible. Um, and sometimes that can be through technical kind of wizardry that they're in charge of themselves. Um, but yeah. Um, Mark or Rex, something to add? Uh, everything that, that that everyone saw it, said is is absolutely true. Like, uh, it's funny that uh, the, the 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 programmers will will look at us and tell us, "Hey, don't get too excited uh, about uh, these new consoles because that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do more." So, <laughs> I mean, they're worried about you know you know uh, performance and things like that as well. Um, so, uh, I think definitely like like everyone said, is it's going to be more of the on the procedural side. Uh, trying to find more ways that we can create more, uh, but not be bogged down with the implementation as much, um, which is the, is the time suck and and you know stalls uh, creativity here and there. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that, and uh, you know maybe 120 frames a second uh, animation, and you know <laughs> we export that. Way, you know we'll see, but uh, I'm really excited for it though for sure. Awesome, thank you. And Rex, how 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 would this affect your uh, games at the moment? Um, to allow you to prototype easier? Like, uh, I mean, I don't. I have no idea to be honest. Um, <laughs> I I think my wish is always with every. I'm disappearing into darkness, aren't I? Let's put a little. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. I just hope that with every single generation, it doesn't always happen, that it will just become easier, that the bar to entry is, is lower, so that more interesting new voices, it's kind of creepy this lighting, <laughs> uh, more, more interesting new voices can come into the industry and make themselves heard and you know, make more sort of personal things, more, just a more diverse industry of, of, of creators really telling their own stories in unique ways uh, with, you know, wonderful motion. I think that's a really good point. You know, anything we can do to make video games more accessible to make for everybody 
um, is, is, a good, is a great thing. So, um, which I think is a good place to, to end um, the, the, the class tonight, the class, sounds like I'm, yeah. Um, but thank you, I wanna thank everybody for joining today. Um, really appreciate um, your time and your, um, your experiences and your expertise. It's been fascinating chatting to you all. Um, and thank you for everyone that's been, uh, that's been watching and been asking questions. And, and thank you to BAFTA for, for recognizing animation and, uh, and promoting animation um, and, and allowing us space to do this sort of thing. So, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Great.